Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. What is so special about the month of November for me is we are joining dozens and dozens of other churches across South Florida through an organization called Church United, and uh, we are teaching and preaching on the same topics all month long. And so it's just really special because we gather as kind of the the greater church here in South Florida, and we just want to teach and preach through things we want every believer across South Florida to know. It's just kind of an exciting thing. I've been a part of Church United for a little bit now uh, after we launched our church, and it's just a very healthy, very awesome organization. Uh, One of the things that they've done I'll brag on them a little bit. Remember years ago when there was the shooting in the Fort Lauderdale airport? Remember hearing that on the news? Church United was an organization that came in afterwards and said, hey, just because we're the body of Christ and this is our area, we want to cover every victim's hospital bill. And so they got to come in behind the scenes, and the church paid for all the hospital bills after. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so they do a lot of different things. They do a lot of community work, and it's just a very healthy organization uh, as we represent just the greater body of Christ across South Florida. And so we're excited today to kick off a brand new collection. It's, it's called As It Is in Heaven, and we're going to teach through some of the prayers of Jesus and, and what he's hoping to accomplish, what he's praying for. And today we're going to be talking the Lord's Prayer, specifically the kingdom of God. We're going to begin talking about the aspects of the kingdom of God. I'm very excited about this. Now, before we jump in today's message, I was like, I've got to, I got to preface this thing because when we start talking kingdoms, kings, and empires, not a lot of good feelings come up. And I wanted to walk us through a little bit of history, and I want to make a very strong distinction this morning as we begin to teach the kingdom of God. So if you and I open our history books, we're going to be thinking, uh, when we talk kingdoms, like here, here's the Persian empire, one of the more ancient ones, one of the first ones. You know, you have the Egyptian Empire, then the Persian Empire, right? You have the Han Dynasty, the Han Empire. Uh, so you got that one through the ages. Let's keep going through. You have the Greek Empire. This was kind of the Greek Empire there at its height. You have the Roman Empire, my wife's people. Do you notice how she took over my country over there? You know, I mean, and uh, thank God for Italians, though. They gave us pizza and lattes. Let's be honest. That's, that's amazing. So my wife was here in the first service. But we have the Mongol Empire at, at its height there. We have the Ottoman Empire. Uh, there we go. I think we have the Spanish Empire. Now you're looking the Spanish Empire, and then the last one is the British uh, Empire there, right? And so when when you think of maybe the conquerors in the world, perhaps your mind might float to a few individuals like Alexander the Great. He might be somebody you'd think of when we think of conquer. You might think of Caesar uh, as a conqueror there. Uh, Genghis Khan might be another one perhaps that you think of. I got Napoleon there at the end. Uh, Perhaps you think of Napoleon there. Every kingdom, every king, every empire grew through invasion. The kingdom of God grows through invitation. There's a massive difference. Jesus is the only king that will sit. He's not on a horse. In fact, Jesus will not conquer you. Jesus conquered for you. The Bible's very clear. Jesus did not come to take your land. He came to make a place for you. Jesus will not take your house, but he built a house for you. No one gets into this kingdom by getting conquered or invaded, but you can get invited. Amen. There's a massive difference between the rulers throughout history and this man named Jesus. He didn't conquer to get servants. In fact, he came to serve. And if you want to be great in this kingdom, you start serving other people. 
In this kingdom, you don't get a top position and lord it over other people. You get a bottom position and you begin to lift other people up. Quite a fascinating difference. So when you and I pray, God, let your kingdom come, we're not praying for an invasion per se. We're praying hearts would be turned to the invitation. Amen? It is amazing the stark difference between Jesus and like just about every other ruler throughout history. So when we talk the kingdom, we say, God, pray the kingdom. People think, oh, kingdoms are bad things. And that is true. Kingdoms of the earth typically are. But the kingdom of Christ is something very, very different. Are you ready? Let's go to our Bibles this morning. Matthew chapter 6. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to slow things down this morning. Actually, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to kind of teach through some of these things. Sometimes I like to preach. I try to be funny. I try to make a joke every now and then. And sometimes I like to teach and I like to slow it down. I want this to get in your head and your heart. But I think you're really going to enjoy today's teaching. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, right now we want to open up our hearts. We want to open up our minds. God, we want to be changed by your word. Father, help me to teach this thing as I just kind of see it and feel it. God, may your people be fed, built up, and blessed in Jesus' name. If you believe that with me, say amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 here, talking the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples asked Jesus, God, teach us to pray, this is his response. This is something we want every believer in South Florida to just kind of get and understand. So Jesus comes to them in verse 5. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by others. He says, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, Pray to your father who's unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Now, in the times of Christ here, religion kind of ruled the day. It was a religious society. So if you wanted to be somebody, you tried to act extra religious. If you wanted to look good in in front of your peers or society, you're like, I'm going to pray this very eloquent prayer, and I'm going to do it in front of people so people can see how awesome and religious I am. We don't live in a religious society, okay? We live in a materialistic kind of secular society. So if you want to look good in in our society, you got to be sexy, rich, famous. You see what I'm saying? Like then, woo, people are like, oh, they hustle all the time or, you know, or whatever. Look how beautiful. And so we have a very different cultural lens on. But here in the times of Christ, kind of religion led the day. And so they're just trying to look. And Jesus obviously is saying, listen, if you pray to just look good, you've already got your reward. There's nothing there. But, you know, people might think you look good, but that's it. Right. He said, rather, why don't you go? to your closet where you make it about you and God. And here's the cool thing. He's basically saying God rewards prayer. God rewards prayer. When you make it about him and you're with him, God rewards prayer. Prayer changes me. Prayer doesn't necessarily always change God. Prayer changes me. And it does change things around me. Amen. And so God, he's answering prayer. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't make it about people. You're going to miss it. You make it about God. There's something there. God rewards prayer, right? And he says, verse seven, when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans for they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. He said, don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So then you got the case, you have the Pharisees, then you got the pagans, right? And what are they doing? They're giving great effort. They're they're saying a lot of words. They're saying it loud. They're saying it often. They believe their gods will hear them if they give great effort and prayer. This thing still kind of sticks on us a little bit because even to this day, I think a lot of Christians even are still trying to bring effort and move God by their effort, right? Oh, if I pray loud, if I pray often, if I make a deal with the big man upstairs, God, I promise I won't go to that club again if you just give me this job. I need it, you know? And so it's like we're still trying to strike a deal. We're still thinking perhaps that my effort moves God. But prayer isn't based on my effort. 
and my ability. It's based on God's effort and God's ability. Amen? And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, don't give and don't, don't put your faith in your effort like these guys. Put your faith in your Father and his effort. Amen? God knows you need it before you even ask him. That's a beautiful thought. What I have found is as I focus on my relationship with God, my prayer life gets a lot more confident. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm leaning into this, this relational thing instead of, instead of my, human, my human effort. Jesus then goes on, verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray, okay? And I want us to zone in. This is where it gets a little good. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me start off with the, with the word our. Nowhere in this prayer, guys, is me, mine, or I used. It's our Jesus is reminding us, guys, prayer is a communal thing, and it's ultimately about us, us followers of Christ, our community, the community of the church. You know, we, we all are Americans, right? Like growing up here, like American culture's probably got on you a little bit. It's a very individualistic culture, right? Let me ask you this way. Several years ago, I was challenged by a pastor, and he said, if all of your prayers were answered, would anybody else's life be changed? If God answered all of your prayers, man, would anyone in your community experience a better life? That's kind of striking, isn't it? If God gave you all your prayers and all your dreams, would anybody else's like family life or marriage change? What a thought. Wow. Jesus is saying, our Father. You know, uh, My married couples, let me, let me help us out a little bit this morning. When you're complaining to God about your spouse, you are talking to your father, but you're also talking to your father-in-law. Right? It's your spouse's father, too. Over the years as a pastor, I've learned not to gripe to God about other believers, which sometimes I'm tempted to do. He is my father, but he's their father, too. It's our father. Amen? Different, different lens, isn't it? Different perspective, right? Now, let me, let me zero in on father. In, in the times of Jesus, the father in Jewish culture was like the bedrock of family. I mean, the, the father just had this very elevated place. And that's hard for some of us in, in the modern world because a lot of us maybe grew up without a father in the home or, or perhaps a distant dad. And so it's very hard to kind of maybe even grasp this concept of father. But in the times of Christ, the father was looked at as a very stable relationship that a child could look to receive guidance from. In fact, often a dad would, would teach his son the family trade. So they didn't really necessarily go off to school like we do today, but the dad would actually raise the son up and teach them in the family trade. This is why Jesus was a carpenter, right? Because Joseph was a carpenter. He's already teaching him this family trade. So he's guiding him, he's training him, he's teaching him. And also the, the son could look to the father for the source of love, guidance, stability, and provision. The father was kind of the, the buck stopped with dad, and he's providing. So when Jesus is saying, listen, guys, I want you to say our father, I want you to see that prayer isn't based on your effort. It's not about you looking good, but it is based on this simple reach out of faith to a very stable relationship. And that's hard for a lot of us in modern times because maybe we didn't have a stable, loving dad in our lives. And just the idea of is there a stable, loving dad that cares? I believe the Bible really does teach that. You may not have an earthly father, but you do have a heavenly father. Amen? Oh, it's hard for us to get, but I want to sow this in our hearts. He's saying there's, this is built off of a stable, loving relationship. So our father. Then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name, right? Holy is your name. When we talk about holiness, we think pious. We think per per perhaps religious rituals that we should do. But holy simply means set apart. 
In other words, uncommon. Jesus is saying, I want, I want to build prayer. I want you to build this relationship. Yes, you have a father and there's relationship, but your father, this God, he is not like anybody else. He is set apart. He is holy. No one loves like him. No one cares like him. No one's powerful like him. Nobody knows the information he knows. Nobody's got the connections he has. It's uncommon. See, when I got a hold of this, I just stopped praying for grandma in the weather, and I started praying bold prayers. Can I be honest? Some of you, your prayer life is boring because you're treating God as common. When you get a revelation of who he is and his holiness, your prayers begin to get a little bit more bold. Come on, guys. You have access to the relationship, but he's also all-knowing and all-powerful, and prayer can do anything God can do. I want to pray big prayers. I don't want to be bold in my prayer life. I, I, excuse me. I don't want to be bored. I want to be bold. I want to ask big things. I don't want to just change my life. I want to change the community around me. Amen? I'm the only one excited about this, but I want you to get a revelation. God, I want to see you how you actually are. Because here's the thing. When, when you approach you know, somebody of status, you don't, you don't approach them with, with a common spirit. And I think so many believers are just approaching God as this common, eh, whatever, and they're not getting anything in prayer because their approach is wrong. Come on, when I walked up to my wife and we were dating, I didn't approach that lady like she was common. Right? I'm not acting like I would act with my siblings or my brother. Like, I was careful. I tried to impress her. I made sure I smelled good. Come on, somebody. Like, the, there was something in the approach. When I approach God in prayer, yes, I come on the basis of relationship. Yes, I come like he's my father. But I want to come with wonder. I want to come with love and respect. And, and, and this just I want to come with worship and thankfulness. I want to approach him like he is holy. Like he's separate, like there's nobody like him. When you approach God like that, your prayer life will explode, right? Come on, if you're bored in prayer, let's, let's switch it a little bit and let's get bold in prayer and let's approach him right. Jesus saying, yeah, he's your dad, but there's nobody like him. Don't forget it. I want to approach him with this heart. Holy's your name. I, I want to recognize that he's properly acknowledged as holy. Jesus goes on to say, your kingdom come. Okay, here we go. Your kingdom come. It's interesting. There are three things that God addresses first, and they're all about God. And there's three things that he addresses after that are all about us. I think what Jesus is trying to do is teach all of our hearts, God first, me second. God's kingdom first, my kingdom second. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things are going to be added to you. Learn in your heart to put God first then, then your and your needs will, will, will come, okay? So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me go back to this concept of the kingdom. The kingdom of God was initiated by Jesus. In fact, John the Baptist was the first one to say, get ready, the kingdom of God is coming, right? Repent, get ready, believe. Here comes the kingdom. It was initiated by Jesus. Jesus did a little parable about the, the mustard seed and, and the mustard tree. And he said, the kingdom of God starts out small, but it grows and it takes over the garden, baby. And that's kind of a beautiful thought, man. It started out with just dozens and dozens of believers. And now we're well over a billion people on the planet and you can't stop this kingdom. It's just, it's coming for you, man. It's taken over. It's a beautiful thought. Again, it's not an invasion. It's invitation, but it, it grows. This kingdom grows. Uh, we're preaching the good news of the kingdom, right? The gospel is wrapped in the kingdom. The Bible says when someone finds the kingdom, there's great joy. This kingdom is not of this world. 
This kingdom does not, it will not fit in any political party, any nation, any kingdom, or any other empire. It cannot fit, and it will outlive them all. It's a beautiful thought. Like, his kingdom will outlive everything else. We gain prominence in this kingdom by serving other people, right? I gain importance in this kingdom by making other people more important than me. In fact, the Bible says when you meet somebody, treat them better than you treat yourself. Wow, what a thought. Like, hey, you're more important than me. What do you need? What, what a wild concept of, of serving, right? A local church is part of the kingdom, but the kingdom cannot fit into any one local church. I love that. Together we are this, this kingdom. On the most basic level, if you're taking notes, write this down. The kingdom can be found anywhere the king reigns. The kingdom can be found anywhere the king reigns. Again, it's not an invasion, but it is an invitation. The kingdom of God, I want to say this, is the only kingdom that will expand for others and not at the expense of others. Wow. Right? The kingdom, wherever it goes, people's lives get better, not worse. Amen? And the kingdom will reach its fullness and its completeness at the return of Christ when he comes back in glory. He initiated it, and he's going to fulfill it. It'll reach its fullness. After Jesus says, listen, the kingdom come, God's will be done, under and in heaven, recognize him as holy, then he brings up our needs, right? And he says, first thing, give us today our daily bread. Church, here's what I really want to say today. I can trust God to meet all my need, not necessarily all my greed. I can meet all my need. He'll meet all my needs. He may not meet all my greed, okay? Listen, I believe we serve a God who wants to bless us, and he has blessed us. I would be lying to you today if I didn't say God hasn't blessed me. How many else, God's been better to you than you deserve? Let's just be honest. Come on. Like, he's been more faithful than we've been to him. He's been better to us than we've been to him. Like, he has blessed us. And he does want us to flourish. I think he wants you to flourish, just like I want my kids to grow and to flourish. I think God loves you. I think he wants you to grow. I think he wants you to flourish. I think he wants things to go well for you, right? And I don't even think God minds it if you have a lot of stuff this morning, okay? I think he minds it when stuff has you. I don't think he minds it if you got stuff. He just minds it if stuff got you. God wants to bless you, and God wants to make your heart like his heart. God is a generous God. God is a giving God. He is a big giver, and he wants my heart to be like his heart. See, giving and generosity is an issue of discipleship. It's about me becoming like my father because he is generous, right? So listen, when a father, let's say a father plants a company, and they make millions, and they do very, very well, and a father invites his son after college to join the company, how many of you know that is a sign of goodwill? It's a sign of the future, but it's also a sign of trust and maturity. When a father invites a son into the business. Believers, God has invited you to work with him in the kingdom's advancement. It's a sign of trust. It's a sign of love. Are you ready for responsibility? That's what responsibility is. Response, able. I'm able to respond. I'm able to build with my dad the kingdom. God could build the kingdom without us, but he loves us enough to invite us on his greatest mission. Think about that. It's an opportunity. It's an honor to build the kingdom with him and to become like him. Can God trust you this morning with his greatest mission? A few more verses. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Guys, we need forgiveness. And because I need forgiveness, I need to extend forgiveness. Unforgiveness, bitterness, right? It is a poison. It will ruin your spiritual life, right? Just like greed will ruin your spiritual life, man, unforgiveness will ruin your spiritual life. The Dead Sea is dead. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. The Dead Sea has fresh water coming in, but it has no outlet. All the fresh water comes in and dies from the salt because there's no outlet. There's no way for it to escape and stay fresh. That's what unforgiveness will do. All the new things God wants to do, I just kill with my bitterness. Come on, let's be honest. Like, Listen, when I forgive somebody, I don't necessarily justify it. It's not like I'm saying what they did was right or okay. What I am saying is what Christ did for me means more to me than what people do to me. And I've had a few people in my life hurt me really bad. I think, we all, I think we all have, if we were honest. We've all had a few people really hurt us, right? Most people, I'm like, hey, you cut me off on a 595. I'll get over it in a couple of minutes, okay? All right? But then there's been a few people in my life that have hurt me so bad, it's taken me like a year or so to really let them go and be free, right? How, how do you know when your heart really starts getting free, you can think about them and not just start like playing the arguments over, start swearing, start demanding, you know, God, chop off their head. No, I'm kidding. Oh, it's not that. It is, you know, you're just like, but, you, but you're moved. Like when you think about the moment or what they did or that person, you're moved with intensity. But, but when my heart begins to get free and I'm like, God, I, what they did was wrong, but I, I release them and I forgive them. Forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation will happen. Reconciliation takes two people. Reconciliation requires forgiveness and repentance. Reconciliation is a two-party kind of thing. One, one party that did the sin has to repent and come back, and then one party has to forgive and let go and come back. That's reconciliation. But forgiveness, forgiveness only takes one. God, whether they repent or not, I will set them free in my heart, and I choose to forgive them because you chose to forgive me. And I want to be free. I want a relationship with you. I want what you did for me on that cross to mean more to me than what they did to me. I will let them go. And I will trust you with the judgment of it. You know what's funny about sin? When we're the ones that commit the sin, we want mercy, don't we? When somebody else sins against us, what do we want? Judgment. Justice. Isn't it interesting that God, God is working on all of our hearts because the, the Bible says all have sinned. Everybody's sinned. Everybody's made a mistake, right? And so I'm becoming like Christ, and I'm learning to forgive, but I'm also learning to walk righteously and justly in front of other people. And so it's all a matter of God. Can, can I be honest, church? Only the Father knows when to perfectly dispense grace and when to perfectly dispense justice. The rest of us are doing our best to get it right, but only the Father knows where that line is in each in human heart. Only God knows when to give grace and that person will grow and change and then when to give justice and when it's like, that's it, no more. Isn't that amazing? The rest of us are trusting Jesus in the process. But while he does that, I want to stay free. Amen? And we want to forgive. We want to be a forgiving people this morning. So as we pray, right, as we go out there and as we pray, we're saying, God, I want to recognize you're my Father. It's not on my effort it is your effort and your ability. I come on the basis of relationship, and I come with the realization that you are holy. There's no one like you. No one's powerful. No one's as loving. No one's as caring. No one's as meaningful. No one's as purposeful. There is no one like you. You're set apart, right? 
your kingdom come, your will be done, right? I want to see your love and life established in this place, and it is going to grow. It is going to keep taking ground. I want to see it, God. Then, Father, meet my needs. As you meet my needs and as you bless me, turn my heart into your heart. Give me your heart for people because I don't want life just to be about me. You see how blessing without revelation of who God is just makes it all about me? Right? That, that's, that's honestly one of my greatest beefs with, with the modern prosperity movement. In the end, it's still about me. Right? I don't care if God blesses you. I want you to be, I want every family in this church to make a million dollars. Right? I really do. I, hey, I want you all to do really, really, really well. Okay? But I want you to also have God's heart for people. I'm not saying everybody is going to be a millionaire. I'm just saying I want that for you. Okay? I love you. I care about you. Like, why wouldn't I want it to go well for you? I do care that you have God's heart this morning. And that you have his heart for people and broken and lost and hurting people. Amen? Come on, church. That's us, okay? That's us. That's our hearts, right? The church was, we were birthed for people, right? It's, it's, the church was here. The church isn't here so people can serve the church. The church is here so we can serve people, right? We're the bridge to lostness. That's what we are. We're the light. We're the city on a hill. God's like, I'm going to give birth to this thing. And through you, I'm going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to go get people. You're my bridge. You're my hands. You're my feet. I want my heart to be his heart. Okay, now, now I'm meddling a little bit. And in order for me to do that, i got to stay free, which is why forgiveness is so powerful. I want his heart. I want to be free. Amen? So as we close today, some questions for us all to ask. Imagine with us if all the believers in South Florida put the kingdom of God first, built his kingdom before we built our own. What would that look like? Imagine if all the believers in South Florida chose vibrant community under our Father. We could passively let community slide by, or we can choose to be in community. And listen, community hurts us, and community heals us. Come on, guys. Everybody's taken a knife out of their back that has said saint on it, right? Everybody's been hurt by the church, but everybody's also been healed by the church. Woo! People will hurt me, but people will heal me too. Don't give up. I ain't given up on what Jesus initiated. And I know we live in a time and an age where a lot of people are like, oh, the church has got nothing left for me. I'm like, you know, I, I hear that. I hear that. But I've also never been loved like this. Without the church, I would have never known about Jesus. I would have never discovered my purpose and my calling. Without the church, I would have never been loved like this. I would have never been restored like this. I've never been cared like this. And I come today not always to get something, but I come to give something. And I want to sow that in your heart. What if you came today to give a hug, a handshake, a smile? So many people are like, well, I left church. I didn't get nothing out of it. Well, what if you were supposed to give that day, bro? You know, like, what, what if that was the day not for you but through you? Church is like Christmas. I know I'm meddling now, and i got to stop. i got to wrap this up. Church is like Christmas. When you're a kid, it's all about you. When you first get saved, church is all about you. Everything's given to you. Nothing is asked from you. It's Christmas. It's for you. But how many of you know when you're 13, 14, 15, Christmas isn't the same as when you were 4, 5, 6? You don't wake up at 4 a.m. anymore. You don't run through the house with your pajamas and scream that Santa came. You're like, yeah, whatever. What did I get this year? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's, that's all of us, right? You wake up a little later. You want food. It's just, it's not. How many of you know you get back in your 20s and 30s and you have kids and you watch them experience Christmas and now you're enjoying Christmas in an entirely different way than you've ever done before? I'm not a grandparent yet, but I've been told it's even better. Church is for you, but church is also through you. You are a spiritual baby, but you should also spiritually grow and bring other spiritual babies along the journey. And then you're enjoying watching other people get Jesus, and you're enjoying church in a way that you've never even known it before. Amen? There's a general progress to church. 
Right now, I have no problem making sandwiches for my babies. But how many know when they're 12, 13, 14, I'm like, make your own sandwich. (laughs) And in their 20s, I'm going to be like, hey, pay for your own sandwich. (laughs) And then in their 30s, pay for your sandwich and make your baby sandwich. It's maturity. As we mature, it becomes less and less about me and more and more about other people. And this is the process of church and community. It's not about me. It's our Father. It's us. What does choosing community look like? Amen. Was that good? I know I meddled. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to step on your toes too much. but that's why I, I, That is why through everything in the last 10 years, I cannot give up on church. I just can't do it. Because to do so would be giving up on the bridge to people. And I just, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. So, amen. All right, last, last one. What would it look like for all the believers in South Florida to forgive those who hurt them and receive God's forgiveness in their lives? Let me make it personal. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to put God's kingdom first above your kingdom? What does that look like this morning to forgive those who have hurt you? Let them be free. What does it look like to choose community in your life? We love you. We believe in you. We want you to do well. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for today's message. I hope, I hope it was challenging. I hope it was loving. I hope it was encouraging. Uh, God, we want to see your kingdom come. The whole purpose of today is to encourage all believers to begin to pray that your kingdom comes, your will be done. It's not an invasion. It's an invitation. God, it's not subjugation. It's love. And God, we, we are here today because we love you. We want to see all your plans and all your purposes come to pass in our church here in South Florida and in the kingdom. God, if anybody is in here today and they need to forgive somebody. In fact, as I was teaching today and that, that moment on forgiveness kind of really struck a chord with you, would you just all eyes closed, would you just lift your hand real quick and just say, I need to forgive. Thank you. Thank you. They said a whole chunk of us. I love this. So, Father, as we pray, God, right now, all those that lifted their hand, we choose in the name of Jesus to forgive that person. We set them free. God, we thank you that right now we receive your forgiveness in our lives, and we want to extend that forgiveness to others because we all need your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.